reading from John's Gospel, beginning at chapter 13, verse 31, through to chapter 14, verse 7. If you have a church Bible, you will find a bookmark in the place for you. So chapter 13, verse 31. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Thank you, Margaret. Well, friends, uh, have that passage open would be most helpful. I'm going to pray briefly and then we'll dive into that. Our God, we need your help this morning. Uh, We ask, please, by your Spirit to open our eyes to your Word, that we might see wonderful things there. And we pray that for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, not sure if you're the same, but one of the most stressful things... Uh, I think, is preparing to go away, right? So there's so many things you've got to sort out, and there's some people who are preparing for some trips at the moment. 
who's going to look after the dog, who's going to put the bins out, turn the sprinklers on. Um, if you're, uh, it gets even more complex when you're leaving people behind. If you're a parent or a grandparent and have, um, or an uncle or an auntie who've sort of had this experience, you might know this feeling. Um, maybe you're a grandparent or uncle or auntie, you've had to look after kids when the parents have gone away or something like that. Uh, you'll know uh, the kind of strict instructions you can be given. Okay, the baby needs its bottle at precisely 5.38, not 5.36. And make sure you don't let them sleep in the car on the way. Please, what it, don't let them sleep in the car on the way home. Otherwise, they won't sleep a wink all night. And, uh, and you, must, you must say these precise words in this exact order at bedtime. Otherwise, you don't want to go there. You know, it'll be chaos. <laughs> uh, uh, um, our, our kids are kind of... At a stage now, a bit of a nice stage. They're a bit older, and we're relaxing a little bit. So we, our kind of standard is just make sure they're alive when we get back, and don't tell us how many times you went to Macca's. Just uh, keep that between yourself and the kids. Um, but um, making making preparations to leave um, is a big theme of this part of John's Gospel. Making preparations to leave. Last week, if you were here last week, you would have. Um, uh, heard the story of Judas' betrayal. Um, Judas' betrayal of Jesus, he, we, we ended up in verse 30, um, Judas walks out into the night. He leaves the light of the world behind, if you remember that. The light of the world's there with his uh, disciples. Judas walks out and embraces the darkness instead. And, and, and now it's as if with Judas having gone, Jesus kind of shifts his focus he turns to his remaining disciples who are there with him and he starts, to, he starts this kind of intensive training session with them uh, that carries through the next few chapters of John. Um, before, he gets, but before he gets to himself leaving, he's going to talk about him going, but before he gets there though, uh, he says that there's something coming. In fact, something that's already there. Verse 31. When he was gone, that's Judas, when Judas was gone, Jesus said... Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. Now that's a bit confusing. It's sort of a thing you need to have a couple of cups of coffee before you read to figure out. It can be hard to figure out what's going on there. Who's glorifying who and what does all of this mean? Um, the basic idea that Jesus is getting at with this idea of glory is like honour or praise or fame or splendour or brightness. Um, it's like your reputation, what you're known for. You, we cover people with glory, right? Um, we cover our sports teams with glory when they have a great victory. Um, unfortunately, not the Wallabies this week. Uh, and, everyone's, and when you get covered with glory, uh, everyone praising you and talking you up. It's a bit confusing. It's slightly confusing here. It takes a bit of trying to figure out what's going on. Who's glorifying who? God the Father and God the Son. But in a way, that's kind of the point. Um, what Jesus is getting at here is there's this, such this unique relationship between him and his Father, between this Father and Son, that for the Son to be glorified is for the Father to be glorified. The Father will glorify the Son, and in that the Father himself is going to be glorified. There's this such a unique, tight connection, identification between Jesus and his Father. But what is this glory? 
that Jesus is getting at, is talking about. What's important to remember, all of this is happening in what John calls the hour. Again, we've seen this if you've been with us through John's Gospel. We saw it in uh, verse 1 of chapter 13. If you've, if you've got your Bible open, you can see it there in verse 1. But it's all through John, this idea of the hour that's coming and that now is. And uh, for, for John, um, uh, it's clear that this hour is the cross. Jesus' death, what his whole life is kind of driving towards. His death and his res- then his resurrection and return to the Father. Jesus is saying... That that moment, that hour, is also the moment of glory. God's greatness, his honour, his splendour, his brightness, his, his fame, his majesty shines brightest in this hour. His glory is shown in the willing, obedient sacrifice of the Son, of his own life, in the brutal unglorious death of Jesus. What looks like a tragic and shameful defeat is actually glory. Glorious victory as the Son bears the sin of the world so that whoever trusts in him would not perish but would have eternal life. Uh, at this point, maybe the disciples are hearing this and uh, this talk about glory. It's slightly confusing, but if without that kind of knowing that the cross is coming, it, it, it's still you, you kind of you can think, okay, Jesus is on to something good here. There's glory coming. It's a good thing. And uh, but then Jesus says something that would have kind of knocked them for six. Verse thirty-three: My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Glory is coming, Jesus says, but he's out of here. (laughs) Jesus is going. And what's worse, they can't follow him. They cannot come. He's already said something like this back in chapter 7. That's what he's referring to there. He talks about, um, he's already said it to the Jews, but... But notice uh, um, how he addresses his disciples here. Back then in chapter 7 when he's talked about him going and them not going to be able to come, it kind of had this negative tone to it. But that's not what's going on here. Notice how he calls his disciples, what does he call them? My children. He uses this really intimate, affectionate term for them. He's, this isn't, what's going on here is not Jesus kind of cutting and running. Um, it's him coming to his hour and what he's doing is preparing his followers for when he will leave. Kind of like a parent preparing their children. <laughs> and the first thing he says, what is it that this group will need when he's gone, when Jesus is gone? What will this group need? What's going to carry them through? Verse 34 A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, this isn't actually a new commandment altogether. You find love ingrained all through the Old Testament, and explicitly said in the Old Testament book of Leviticus love your neighbour as yourself. So, this is not a new concept for them, but there is something new here, isn't there? 
What is new? What does Jesus say? He points to himself. They're to love each other as he has loved them. As he has loved them. God is love. He has always been love. But Jesus brings the fullness of his love, the full extent of God's love. We kind of had that pictured in the foot washing we looked at a few weeks ago. But he re- Jesus reveals God's love fully and ultimately at the cross. If, you are, if you're Jesus' person, then you have been loved. You have been loved deeply, fully, at an unimaginable cost. You are secure in that love. And so Jesus says, if you've been loved like that, let it flow out of you. (laughs) Love one another in that same way. And as you do that, he goes on, as you do that, that's actually going to witness to the world. It's going to be like Jesus' presence still on earth in in a really powerful way. Verse 35, by this, that is, if you're loving each other like I've loved you, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's a stunning claim, isn't it? Jesus is gone, but if this group loves each other the way that Jesus has loved them, the world will see Jesus in them. Everyone will know that they are his disciples. Well, Peter pipes up at this point. Um, he, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like Peter, and, and again, true to form for a good old Peter. I love Peter. Uh, it's kind of like, he hasn't really heard what Jesus has said about love. Um, he's, it's like, you know, if you hear something that's totally shocking and you go blank for a couple of minutes, uh, it's like he's still back uh, on what Jesus was taught, said about him going. It's like, hang on a second, Jesus. Hit pause, hit the rewind. Um, he's, going, he, he's still caught up on what Jesus has said about him leaving. And he's asked in verse 36, Simon Peter asks him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now but you will follow later. That's a bit cryptic, but Peter, again, he kind of won't have any of it. He says to Jesus, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus says back to him, will you really lay down your life for me? And imagine hearing this from Jesus in that moment. Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me. Three times. There's this real irony here. At the end of John's Gospel, we find out that Peter will actually lay down his life for Jesus when he's an old man, but not here and not now. In fact, he's, he's had this expression of this utter, enthusiastic devotion. <laughs> but in just a few short hours, Peter is going to deny he even knows Jesus. Sobering warning, isn't it? Um, Jesus going away. I think uh, perhaps what's going on here, it's a sobering warning in and of itself, but Jesus going away isn't the time for kind of heroic acts of self-confidence. It's not the time for a new strong leader to rise up and take Jesus' place. And maybe Peter would have been that new strong leader to rise up and take Jesus' place. I think it's really fascinating, actually, that two, two of the key leaders of the early church after Jesus, Peter and the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul, um, 
they both had spectacular um, failures. Actually, Peter spectacularly fails here when it counts. He denies Jesus three times. The Apostle Paul, if you know his story, he was a murderer of Jesus' people before God converted him um, and brought him to trust in Jesus. They're kind of like living examples that declare to Jesus' people, your hope is not in yourselves. Um, don't put your confidence in yourself, in, your, in impressive shows of devotion, in strong personalities. Your hope is not in yourself. You'll only let yourself down. You can count on it. But there is more to the story. Um, we can't rely on ourselves, and Peter's like a, this outstanding example of that. <laughs> but the good news is we don't have to. We don't have to. We don't need to rely on ourselves. Verse 14. uh, Sorry, chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. It's as if Jesus is saying, look, I am going away, but don't, the the alternative, don't kid yourself into kind of this... um, Heroic self-confidence, that's actually a fool's way. Don't do that. Instead of believing in yourself, believe in me, Jesus says. I will never let you down. And if I'm going away, trust me that it's for your good. That it's for your good. That's what he goes on to talk about. Him going away is actually... For the good of his people. Verse 2 My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there. Or would I not have, uh, would I have told you that I'm, not, I'm going to prepare a place for you? <laughs> Verse 3 And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. He uses this, this metaphor, this image of a house, to help his disciples think about him going away from them, his absence from them. He says, it's not like I've gone on holiday. It's not like I'm going somewhere and just kind of kicking back, enjoying life by myself. Uh, it's not like I've made a permanent move to another country and you're never going to hear from me again. It's more like uh, he's, I've gone to vacuum the floors and make the beds for you. you know? it's, more like, it's more like that. It's more like I've gone to make it ready for you to join me there. In my Father's house, the, the, uh, this image of living with God, under his roof with him. Uh, I think the point is not probably the details of how to figure out how a literal house could have a million, millions of rooms in it. The point is that Jesus' absence is only temporary and it has a purpose. Jesus is at work. And there will come a day when he'll come back for his followers, his people. And in the meantime, in that gap, we can trust him. We cannot let our hearts be troubled. How are you going at that? We can trust him. And he fills this out in an even more spectacular way in the next few verses. He says to them in verse 4, you, you know the way 
to the place where I'm going. Thomas pipes up. He, Thomas says, uh, he's confused by this and you can understand why. Um, he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way to it? You see what he's saying? You haven't told us where you're going, let alone you know, which road to take. Um, are we just supposed to wander around blindly until we know? But Jesus presses on and it, they do actually know the way, even if they don't know the destination. Jesus knows that because the way to this house, the way to life with God, uh, is not a highway, a road, a, not a set of tests you need to pass. The way is a person. The way is standing right there in their midst. Jesus answers, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. When Jesus returns to take his people to his father's house, it will be those people who know him, who believe in him, who have put their trust in him. See the beautiful promise here? Knowing Jesus by faith means you know the father. You, you know, if you know Jesus, you know and have seen God truly. It's those people Jesus will take and only those. Do you know, see what Jesus is saying? He doesn't say, I am a way. I am a truth. I am a life. Jesus says, no, no one comes to the Father except through him. I am the way, the only way. Life with God is only possible through Jesus. Life with God is only possible. Uh, Jesus isn't saying that he is like the only truth to know. Jesus, you know, we don't find out about how to drive a car or tie your shoelace or something like that in the Bible. But when it comes to knowing God, here is where God has made himself known. In this one. And only in this one. In Jesus. And the word of promise and witness we have in the Bible. Uh, here God has entered his fallen creation. In history, right? In this one moment, light entered the darkness. The way entered into a world lost in confusion. The truth entered into a world that is caught up by lies. The life entered into a world that is bound by death. See, for Jesus, this isn't actually how it's sometimes characterized, a kind of cold, narrow, hardened position. It's simply reality. And it's a reality that is breathtaking and beautiful and wonderful news. It's news that drives groups like the Church Missionary Society. 
Uh, It's news that should drive us as we throw ourselves into partnering with them. If you know Jesus, what see what this is saying. If you know Jesus, and you know Peter is is kind of warning to us, an example to us that uh, it's nothing about you, right? If you know Jesus. Uh, You're as unreliable as Peter was. It's not because of any quality that's inside you. If you know Jesus by God's incredible grace and by his grace alone, if you have come to know Jesus, if you have heard and received this good news, then you have been brought into the heart of the universe. You've been invited into God's house. You have been loved unthinkably, immeasurably, by the one who is the only hope of the world, the only way to God, the only truth about God, the only life that will carry you through death itself. Jesus is the one you need. He's the one your friends and family need. He is the one our world needs. The moment that Jesus is entering, this hour, um, it's an hour that really divides history. um, This unique, unrepeatable moment when God acted once and for all to forgive sin and reconcile people to himself. Um, You see that actually even in the way we've traditionally recorded history, right? So... um, uh, uh, Jesus is like this watershed. Everything before him gets called BC, BC before Christ. What's really interesting, though, is that when these things were getting worked out, sometime apparently like in the sixth century or around then, um, they didn't use for everything that came after Jesus. They didn't use AC or whatever the Latin equivalent would have been. They didn't use before Jesus, before Christ, after Christ. Um, you could understand that if they did. He's the greatest person in history. Let's date things from before and after him. They didn't do that. What's re- what they did land on was the, fami- the letters you're probably familiar with, AD. Um, now, what's all this got to do with Jesus and, and John's Gospel? Well, AD, um, the way that that came about, it's actually a profound theological, it's a profound claim about all of history. You know what AD stands for? Um, I can't say it right, probably. Uh, Anno Domini, I think it is. Latin is a longer phrase um, that it's sort of taken from. It's Latin for the year, the year of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting that when people were looking back at this, this one moment in history, there's everything before Christ, but there's not everything after Christ, Everything after Christ is the year, the year of our Lord. See, the upshot of this passage is not that life after Jesus is life without Jesus. He is still the way. He is still the truth. He is still the life. And he is still seen in the family of the church as we love each other the way that he has loved us. He is still heard in the inspired witness of the apostles as we have it in our Bibles. 
And Jesus is going to go on in the next couple of chapters, and we'll get to that hopefully before the end of the year. He's going to go on to talk about how he is still with us through the presence of the Holy Spirit. So this isn't the year 2018 AC. This is the year of our Lord, 2018. This is the year of our Lord, this year, um, when Jesus, having returned to his Father, is still reigning as Lord. He's still preparing a place for his people from every tribe and nation. He's still at work in people's hearts. This is the year not to let your hearts be troubled. This is the year not to go on trusting in yourself and in your achievements and maybe the titanic strength of your devotion. This is the year to believe in this Lord of glory who gave himself up for you in your place to do what you could never do for yourself. To believe that he alone is the way in a dark world. This is the year to live it out as we love each other in ways that people cannot miss, ways that witness to Jesus. And as we ourselves seek to proclaim good news to our community and to the world. This is the year that Jesus is living and active. This is the year of our Lord. Um, I want to encourage us today. I'm going to pray in a moment. But before I do that, um, I heard something this morning that was just the most wonderful encouragement that this is true. <laughs> that Jesus is, this is the year of our Lord. Uh, that this is the year when people are hearing about this way and this truth and this life and are putting their hope in him. So I'm going to, Matt, are you happy to come down and share something with us? Matthew is going to come and share um, a wonderful story um, that he, uh, that God has been doing um, in the life of someone did him. So come up here, mate. Um, you shared with me this morning. Thank you for doing this. Um, really encouraged by um, ha being happy to share this. Um, mate, you shared something with me this morning that was just so encouraging, and like I said, an, a, uh, an outworking of this reality, that Jesus is the way, and it, he's still at work preparing a place for his people. Um, your brother-in-law has been very sick for a long time. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about your brother-in-law? Yes, well, uh, beginning of last year, he was diagnosed with uh, acute pancreatic cancer and um, went to overseas to get operated on and been having chemo and has been uh, fighting a losing battle and uh, has had the strength uh, taken from him uh, despite uh, every attempt to survive. But uh, he's also... Um, he did come to church last year and uh, was very uh, moved by the experience and um, uh, in the cancer clinic in Germany they met a Christian couple who have um, been sending scriptures and he's obviously seen the life in scripture and, um, and I've been you know, brought very closely into, into the orbit um, of their lives. And, um, so you've had an ongoing obviously relationship with him, but ongoing conversations with him yeah. about Jesus and about the gospel? Well, before he went to America last February 2017, I, I said, 
anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. His name is Jesus. And that was very bold of me because I'm, you know, I'm not a very bold person, really. Um, and um, yeah. uh, last Sunday morning, I didn't get to bed till after 3 a.m. and I'd been working and I figured that I wouldn't be going to church. And I sat upright at 7.30 and um, thought, looks like I'm going. And um, so I, I got down uh, here for rehearsal, even though I hadn't learnt the songs. And um, uh, went out to the car to get reading glasses and um, there was a message from my sister saying, what time does church start? And I said, 10 o'clock. And this was about 10 too. So they said, we'll be there at 10.20. And uh, uh, she helps him in with a bag of uh, morphine and so on. And um, they stay for the whole service. And the um, um, mark of the gracious man that he is, as they're uh, in the car park, it's very cold last Sunday and windy, and he's concerned about me standing out in the wind. But he said on the way out to the car, uh, harder for a, uh, uh, easier for a camel to get through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And my friend, in, a mutual friend in uh, Victoria has been telling me he can't get over here. I'm, I'm the man for the job. I've been put there by God and I'm feeling the pressure of that um, and f- feeling unqualified and so on. And um, so I said, well, it's not really about having possessions. It's about possessions having you. Um, Where a man's treasure is, there his heart will be also. And um, anyone that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and died for our sins will be saved. And um, anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and, uh, you know, confess your sins. And my sister said, what sin? And I said, well... Sin is thinking that we can make it uh, without God. We can save ourselves by our own goodness, um, that uh, we're better than somebody else or that we don't need saving. Um, I mean, I don't remember everything that I've said. You know, yeah. uh, The yeah. Bible says, don't worry about what you'll say in that day. The Holy Spirit will give you the words. And it's been very difficult for me to keep track of the conversation. So... He came to church. It was like a divine appointment that I was even here. The following day, he's in hospital and uh, with a terrible infection, and it looks like he, he could go at any moment. And um, that's the cost of him doing anything, heightened activity. He always has you know, been paying for it with terrible suffering. So as a consequence of coming to church, he ended up in hospital. And... Um, over those couple of days, the doctor he wanted to uh, go home for the for the end, but the doctors were saying it's it's easier to stay in hospital. We've got all the facilities here. Um, it's not really practical for you to go home at this point. Um, Tuesday morning, I was there and they asked me to pray, and the, all of his grown kids are around, and I've got a, a, the whole family in the room, and I, I've never done anything like that before praying in front of a room full of uh, unbelievers and they're all very gracious and thanked me. Um, and Friday he went home uh, uh, to, his ho- to his house and um, 
and yesterday I went and visited and again there was a, a whole house full of people gathered around and they all filed out and I found myself there alone with him and my sister and she was doing various things around the house and I was obviously asked to pray and that's why I was still there and I said to him have you made a commitment or a decision and he very open-heartedly said no and I'm thinking well it looks like this is on my head and um, I uh, led him through confession as as best as I understood it, prayed to God first that he would help us in our human awkwardness through the process and uh, led him through a, a series of repeat-after-me prayers of uh, giving himself to God, surrendering his life, uh, confessing his sins, uh, accepting Jesus as Saviour and uh, just everything that I know I, uh, mm. I went through. And... Um, so at that moment, that was his moment of consciously confessing Christ as his Lord and Saviour. Praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? That's like... um, so right there and then. Um, and uh, Martin um, is still very unwell. We're still praying for him. and not sure sort of how much time he has left on this earth. No. And when you're that vulnerable, you can get sick mm. with an infection or a setback at any time. And like I said, last Monday or Tuesday, I wasn't sure, um, at, you know, yeah. whether it was going to be there and then. Yeah. And the way they were talking in the hospital, it's all very real and it's all very uh, confronting yeah. the way they're all talking um, openly in front of one another about um, mm. preparing for the end and funerals and yes. so on. Yes. Yeah. But... Having done that, Martin will be welcomed into the Father's house. Yes. Mm. Thank you, mate. Thank you for your kind of uh, courage in sharing that with us. I'm sure it's just such an encouragement to hear this happening, isn't it? And um, can I pray uh, both for yourself and Martin and uh, having heard God's word for all of us? Can we do that together? Our Heavenly Father, we praise and thank you that you prepare, you have a house with many rooms, um, that you sent Jesus as the way and the truth and the life, and that you are still calling people to be a part of your family. Thank you so much for the, the testimony of that uh, that Matthew shared with us this morning. We commit him and Martin into your care. Um, hold them fast, we pray. For all of us, so Father, we build our confidence in the good news that this is for the world and fire our desire, we pray, to see that news continue to be proclaimed and shared among all people. And we pray that for your glory, for the saving of many souls, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, mate. I think we're going to...